Welcome to Beyond the Art, where creativity knows no bounds and innovation takes center stage. Join us on a captivating journey through the realms of the Native American art world, exploring the untold stories, inspirations, and the sheer brilliance that fuels the world of indigenous artistry. Well, welcome to Beyond the Art today, and we have Kaylin Fay. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm just going to start off and ask you to tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey and how you incorporate what you do as a musician and performer in your Native American history. Oh, man, that is a good question and has <laughs> been all over the board. <laughs> good. Good start then. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in a family who... Um, no one else was like a creative person. Everybody's creative. I should roll back. <laughs> Everybody is a creative person, but nobody was uh, like living out a creative pursuit. Mm -hmm. And so I was already like out of the get go, like uh, the odd person out. <laughs> and, the black sheep of the family. Yeah. They, yeah. Nobody really knew what to do with me. <laughs> um, so growing up, uh, I lived between a lot of different places in Oklahoma. So I lived in Tahlequah, Okmulgee, Okima, um, Fairfax, Ralston, um, and then Claremore and eventually Tulsa. But in my growing up years, I spent like half time with my grandma in Fairfax mm -hmm. area. Um, and I'd see Maria Talchief's, um, their family house oh, all yeah. the time. So yeah. like growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a dancer. But unfortunately, I have really short legs. And <laughs> when you are shaped like this, <laughs> you can carry a lot on your shoulders, right. but you can't carry like yourself up high. Um, but I really wanted, like, that was my first moment where I saw like another Native person, like being a creative person in the arts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people knew who she was and really respected her and what she was doing. And, that just like inspired me. And I saw my dad too growing up, like he really paved the way for himself and for me and my sister uh, to do the work that we want to do. So once I got older, I started like grad school for, or I started undergrad for uh, medical molecular. <laughs> when I got to undergrad, I started uh, school for medical molecular biology. And I really wanted to be a doctor because in my mind, um, that was like the highest thing you could do right, and right. accomplish and you would be respected. Doctor and, or lawyer. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, fell into this like Western way of thinking as you get older and you're like, this is what I have to be if I'm going to be respected and if mm -hmm. I'm going to do something as a Native person. Um, and like, I barely got through like the first or second year and I was like, I can't do this. This makes me right. so sad. Um, and growing up, you know, a creative kid, I just knew something needed to change. And I had this amazing professor who was like, had followed me through my high school years and would go to like art shows that I would participate in. And he was like, you're going to, you're going to be in the arts. You're going to be in the arts. And I ended up going to the same school he taught at for undergrad. And, and he was like, I know why you're not happy. You need to be in the arts. <laughs> and so I switched over and did design work and I uh, got a BFA in graphic design and with a minor in Spanish. And that's kind of the thing that pushed me even further because I saw the value of when you are so happy doing the work that you're doing, 
and you feel like you're sharing a part of yourself that's just reflected mm-hmm. in the work that you're making. Um, and it just like oozes out of you for right. like, lack of a better. It's a natural part of your DNA that, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, I would not want to live like any day without sunshine or water. Right. And so exactly. of course I wouldn't want to live any day without like making something. So I just um, was doing design work. I worked for Cherokee Nation businesses for a while and then um, decided I wanted to go back to school. So I started a master of arts at University of Tulsa. While I was there, I had picked up the guitar and started writing music Mm -hmm. whenever I was about 23 um, and started grad school when I was 24. And at the same time I was trying to finish my master's, I was starting to like perform out more and it made me not have the best grades in my first master's. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you do. Yeah. A C is still hey, a degree. So, yeah. <laughs> a C is a degree. Still matters. <laughs> um, but I started performing and meeting a lot of musicians and went out on the road pretty often. And um, it just became something I truly loved. I'd always loved music mm-hmm. and um. I played trumpet growing up and played in jazz band. I taught myself how to play dulcimer and piano. Wow. And um, again, my family had no idea what to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I started performing and playing a lot more. And then I decided, hey, I'm going to get another degree. <laughs> so I we went to University of Arkansas and uh, started my MFA in printmaking there. Um, and performed and performed again. And eventually at a performance, when I went up to Massachusetts, I met um, a curator at Peabody Essex Museum mm-hmm. and for a TC Cannon opening. And she was like, hey, there's this fellowship. You should apply for it. And I did. And once I got there, I knew I wanted to do museum work. Like that was the first time I had been able to see myself in that space. Mm-hmm not just as an artist, but someone who could like facilitate the arts. Um, And it just like rocked my world. So when I came back, I continued performing, but I wanted to additionally start creating opportunities and um, build my pathway in a museum um, because I saw what that curator did for me is allowed me into a space I didn't feel reflected in and uh, gave me a voice in that space. And I was like, I we can be doing that. We can all be doing that. (laughs) Um, So I worked for um, Art Bridges and then I worked for Crystal Bridges and then I started at Philbrook as a fellow and now I'm their assistant curator of Native Art there. So when you had that epitome of the artistic endeavors and and the creative, what made you think, oh, this is actually my job and my career, but it's also your passion? Repeat that question for me again. Sorry. <laughs> when, you, when the light bulb came off, it's yeah. like, oh, this is it. I don't have to go keep on going back to school that you found your your pathway in the artistic world. And it's actually a profession. But now, obviously, it's your passion as well. Yeah, I think I had this discussion the other day. But, I mean, I have this discussion, like, all the time with people <laughs> because I'm someone who I think people see as, like, oh, she's, like, stretched thin or she's got too many things going on. But... I feel like it is so reflective of being a native person to pursue multitudes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we can't have the whole without knowing all the parts of a thing, whether that be how we make a basket or, you know, how we beat our earrings or, um, you know, whatever ceremonies we do together, like you have to know the parts before you know why or the whole. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, the journey to get to where I'm at right now was just learning all the parts. Right. Um, and I mean, I could go to school again and learn another part and I'd be happy with that. I love school, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's just, uh, I don't think there was an epitome point for me. I think it was more just, I feel like I had, there was amalgamation of parts Mm -hmm. and I could finally put it into something. Now, how do you take that from what you do to the artistic value of music and incorporate that into what you do? Also, another part of what you do. Yeah, I think, I mean, everything's like reflective of each other for me. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's why it's important to hold all these practices for myself. So with music, I think about when I'm out in land with my family, I think about the location we are. I think about the experiences I've had in the location. I think of uh, the stories that have been told in relationship with that land, with me, with that person. And the same holds true with when I'm thinking about like a exhibition, mm-hmm. it, I'm thinking about it as a space in which people can locate themselves to. So what are the stories we tell in that space? Um, who are the people who occupied that space or were the artists who told the stories within those artworks? Um, and how do we build experiences with new visitors? Um, and that's what music is. Mm-hmm. You're building experiences with another, with another group of people, a public Um the same holds true for curatorial work. So it's just putting this practice, putting it over here. <laughs> Translatable, I guess, from yeah. all uh, various sectors. How do you incorporate your cultural background into your music and the artistic component of that? Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm very much about being self-reflective, um, but doing it in a way that's like, Hmm. What are the right words I want to say here? I really love reflecting on my relationship with other people, my relationship with the landscape, my relationship with my ancestors and what it's going to look like for the people who come after me. Mm -hmm. And when I'm thinking about my music, um, that's how I think about it. I think about it across time. Um, It's a non-linear sort of thinking. um, And it's, not just human to human interaction. Um, so when I'm writing music, that's what I'm thinking about is how I can best reflect those ways of knowing that are inherent to mm-hmm. my cultural understanding, but also preserve them in a way that's going to be beneficial for the next like seven generations to come. So do you take historical elements of your culture or is it elements in your everyday life as a Native American and incorporating that into the music you perform? I think it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. There's some stories like I'll tell as like contemporary stories, but really they're pulled from uh, Cherokee storytelling. There's also stuff like uh, I've got a song called Spotted Bird or Judah.la Chisqua, which we translated into Cherokee. Mm -hmm. Um, And that song's pulled from my experience but with a specific story about like an owl um yeah 
So how, how are you motivated and inspired in your music? Does it come to you like in, in dreams or is there a specific story you're trying to tell and explain to the listener? I think for me, it comes from this need for connection with other people and knowing that like, sometimes it's dreams, sometimes it's just a feeling you have. But again, even like when I was talking about growing up and you just have to do something, you just have to make something, that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. It's like built up inside of me. And I'm like, oh, I need to tell this story (laughs) and I need to like find out if other people feel the same way as me. Um, Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. (laughs) Does the story ever change when you start putting into words and music? Oh yeah, all the time. This is going this way. Wait. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. And like, when you're writing a song and it gets highly specific, Uh you're like, "This person wronged me," and you're like, "Oh, I should probably not say that." (laughs) So you like twist things around and change spaces and stuff so people don't feel called out. (laughs) Right. Right. Do you feel you take risk at times in some of your music? Yeah. So I am working on a new record. It's almost done and it'll be done. Number three. Number three. Record number three, (laughs) the sophomore. (laughs) There you go. Um, It'll be out, uh, you know, early 2024. And uh, I'm really excited about this one because I feel like because I started cutting my teeth in music. Um, and performance in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. My sound has very much reflected Tulsa, uh, the Tulsa sound, I would say. Um, and this record feels like I've left, I've come home, I've left, I've come home. And like, I finally feel so comfortable at home and knowing that, you know, my perspective is so reflected mm-hmm. in this space now. Um, I don't feel like yes, natives have to like over explain in many ways, like we're still here and right. like, we still exist. But I feel like Oklahoma natives have, especially in Tulsa, we're just able to like recognize each other. And so I don't feel like I'm having to validate my experience so much. Mm-hmm. And when you're not having to like fight to validate that you're just even here, you are so much more open right. to creating like the best work you can make. And I, this next record, sound it's still me but it sounds so much more expansive than any of my other records have and i'm really excited about that so what transition has happened from number one to now number three that you see yourself and self-reflective of this is who i was in number one and then two this was the story and who i was now three do you see a progression oh definitely Yeah. (laughs) yeah that first one was like i like I said, I'm just, I was just cutting my teeth. I didn't really know. I didn't have like a playbook for how to write music. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly how I was supposed to move forward with the recording. And um, you can definitely hear the influence of all the people I've surrounded myself right. with, which is a really beautiful thing. Um, but it is uh, significantly more like country influenced. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, but it's me trying to like, use that as a vehicle to like validate in a way like I want you to listen to me and I know that you'll listen to it if it sounds this way um but I still want to tell my story and Mm -hmm. by the second one I feel like the stories were very much me a lot more me 
but uh, the sound still was getting there. Right. So this next one feels like everything's kind of finally gelled in the way I want it to. So I'm sure you have a, a plethora of notes, music. Do you constantly writing or is it just when you have inspired or uh, engage in something or experience something that you start writing or is it con- continuous? I think that has changed yeah. <laughs> enormously too. When I first started, it was like, all right, if I start a song, I have to finish it in this sitting. Like I can't come back to it. Like I have to finish it, wow. which was a really fun practice, but I think limits you in some ways. So now when I write, I always have like my notes on me, yeah. like my phone notes and I'll, if something like piques my interest or I have a very specific conversation or if something is happening that day that just feels like important to me, I'll describe it and like write it in my notes and like mark it as something. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of put all of those bits together to write a song later. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like all of these experiences then starting to happen. Given the height of the spotlight on Native American culture currently because of uh, film, TV, and everything else. Do you feel Native American artists are actually being recognized for their artistry and not just the it factor? It's a really good question. I was just thinking about that this morning. Oh, there we go. We were (laughs) translating to each other. (laughs) I think it's hard. I I really want to believe that it's not just like an it moment. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of reasons why it's not. And I think that's because of the earth as a whole, like global warming, like we have to take care of the planet. Mm -hmm. We have to take care of each other. And we're in this crisis in so many different ways in the world. And I think people are recognizing the way that we are as people and the way we work with one another um, is important for the future. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And important to maintain um, just to maintain for the future. Um, so I think, and from my perspective, I don't feel like it's an it moment. I feel like it's the moment. Like, right. This is going to have to continue. It's long overdue. Yeah. <laughs> and continue on forward. I mean, now we're just getting so much recognition, both in the culinary arts and the fashion, and obviously TV and film and music and every aspect of our culture, and that we are artistic people just because of. First contact was seven, six hundred years ago. We haven't changed. We're still here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and we're making our presence known, I think, more louder in so much uh, artistic way instead of a political way, which I think will help exactly. people understand a little bit more. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I agree. That's something like I hold very dear to me in a story like I will tell over and over and over again is one that Shan Goshorn, um, she was an Eastern band basket weaver. She wove baskets with, um, you know, broken treaties, with images from boarding schools, with hard messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and when someone asked her why she made them, these vessels in this way, she said, it's easier to receive a hard message when you've already leaned into something. And I think art is and creative work is the best way to do that. It's an easy lean in for people and right. we can uh, convince people, you know, for lack of better words. Uh, to work with us. Mm-hmm. On the tutorial side, and given that that's another part of your field, do you think the right emphasis is being played on our history and our culture that we're being recognized as a, as a people's, not just a 
side road trinket, I guess. I think that's where I'm trying to go. (laughs) (laughs) Institutions, you know, uh, national and global institutions are looking at Native American art as an art form, not just something that you buy on the roadside or go to Arizona and buy a turquoise ring. Ooh, that's Native American. You know, do you think we're being recognized also as a classical art form, past, present, and future? Uh, I believe, yes, that we are moving away from the sideshow situation, which is wonderful. It just brought it to mind a work that we have at Philbrook, which is uh, Land of Enchantment by uh, Woodrow Wilson Crumbo, Woody Crumbo. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, (laughs) this Native family selling their wares to these like white people covered in like squash blossoms and stuff. (laughs) It's a very funny piece. I love it. But yeah, I think more and more Native people um, Native scholars are wanting to pursue th- wanting to pursue seeing themselves and their people reflected in this space mm-hmm. or in these institutional spaces and so I'm seeing so many Native curators now and not just curators but Native registrars Native librarians Native um, you know grant awarders mm-hmm. you know people who review grants um, so so many native people are just, I don't, they're just taking up that space that right. wasn't taken up before. And I think the narrative is changing in so many ways because their perspective is now reflected in those institutions. It's hard to change an institution if there's no native people working there, true, you know, like true. we can tell them what we want to see, but since they hold the power, their perspective is always one-sided, then translation's not there. Exactly. Because we need to tell our story our, from us directly. Exactly. <laughs> so unless they're like giving that mic over and giving them that power, it's hard to do in most spaces. So we need more people who are working within the space mm-hmm. to tell those stories and share their perspectives and understandings. What's your artistic process when you start creating? Ooh, it depends on yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will say most of everything I do starts with reading. I love reading poetry. That's that's the thing I love doing. Mm. So I like going out into the woods, I like going to the creek, I like going to water. That's um, something I'm just always going to do, you know. Mm. Um, but I like being outside and I like reading poetry. And those are the things that really inspire me. I read a lot of Joy Hydro and Amanda Gorman and... There's so many. There's, yeah. So is there any particular artisans, artistic individuals that you can think of that that inspire you, that motivate you? Oh, absolutely. I'm always inspired by Joy Harjo. Forever will be inspired. If you're inspired. listening, come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Joy Harjo, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll always be inspired by her. I actually have, there's two songs on the record with lines from her poems on oh, really? this next one. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I just, her work is incredible yeah. and moves me and I feel like makes me grow as a person. And that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Like as an artist to help another person, like move to the, that next mm-hmm. phase. Um, but I think she's done that for a lot of people. So I definitely say her and the fact that she's an amazing writer. She's a good community, like good kin. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also an incredible musician as well. I know, <laughs> she plays yeah. saxophone like a beast. She's so good. 
And then, um, hmm, Marie Watt as well, just an incredible artist and community facilitator. And just, she like helped me while I was an undergrad or when I was in grad school in Arkansas, because mm-hmm. I'd had no idea the difference between understanding that comes in, comes inherently from Oklahoma versus Arkansas, where there's, you know, 39 affiliated tribes, Oklahoma right. or Arkansas. Zero, zero federally yeah. recognized <laughs> tribes. Nobody knows anything. And so I was struggling a lot there. And I reached out to artists I was inspired by and was like, no one's going to write me back. They're all so busy. I just, mm-hmm. I'm nobody. I just want to reach out to see if anyone will say anything. And she responded and took the time to have a few Zoom calls with me and That's gave wonderful. me like great advice and was really soft and careful and she was like, you can do this. You can get through this. Like, if I can do it, go, like, you can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's cool to be able to, like, be in this position now and see her out as an artist and be like, you push me here. Like, and now I get to help you and, like, have this reciprocal moment where I get to support your career. And because you saw the potential of what I could do. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a really beautiful so are you turning that around and giving a hand outward to, do you see others out there that are coming behind you that you're assisting and giving them a little nudge? I'm trying. trying. <laughs> That's like all I really want to be doing is taking up this space so I can be like, come on. Right. The more <laughs> the merrier. Go. Yeah, exactly. And we need you. <laughs> do you do uh, many collaborations with other artisans or is it something that you want to try to achieve and get the crowd around you and, do something. Yeah, I love collaborating. I think that's where I feel the most comfortable is in a collaborative role. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the next record has a lot of other artists on it. I think music is inherently like collaborative. You right. have to be like if you want to be playing with a band, you have to know how to work with each other and speak the same language. And um, it's always really exciting for me. So musically, I feel like I've been collaborative. Um, artistically, like visual arts based, uh, I really love being collaborative, but there's just not always a ton of opportunities right, right now. <laughs> it definitely like crashed during COVID, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Given the art, when you start, is there a medium that you like working in? Yeah. So I do my, I'm trained in printmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do weavings as well. So I do these like printed paper weavings that are, you know, anywhere from super small to like really big. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love doing them They're They were sort of an act of resilience in school to, um, yeah, they were in response to people wanting me to make work out of like pain and trauma and to recount these like really painful histories mm. and, um, tell them all about it, you know, right. because they don't know. And I understand that. But um, again, when you're asked to validate, you can't make the work that you want to be making. Mm-hmm. And so this was a response to be like, no, we're joyful. <laughs> we're like always joking and cracking jokes. We're happy. We're like, I find the most joy in those moments. And even when it's hard, we're still laughing. We're yeah, still exactly. like yeah. keeping ourselves going. So these weavings started as a response to make something joyful and beautiful and bright that was reflective of the true experience I was having. Do you take these elements and are you trying to let those that view your artwork 
reinterpreted or you try, you try to set them on the path of what you're trying to say? Oh, I am definitely letting them interpret yeah. it however they feel like. It is, uh, it's like music. You're going to take whatever you want out of it. And it's also like a good book. You're going to, if you return to it, it's going to mean something different to you later. Um, that's how I see art. <laughs> Do you name your pieces? So it has the viewer somewhat uh, knowingly what you're trying to express? Yes. Yeah. I don't really. I don't do the untitled thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I like titling things. Untitled one. Yeah. Untitled two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that opens up a lot more for people, but at the same time, I I want people to know where it's kind of coming yeah. from. Yeah. I have silly titles and like fun titles and more serious titles. I just gave one to uh, Yataka Fields and oh, it's yeah. called uh, Strawberry Pop of the Pow Wow. Because my family loves drinking strawberry pop at a <laughs> There you go. Pretty literal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do have another one that's like, when I was growing up, I just loved seeing um, like the jingle dress dancers, but uh -huh. I also loved the men's fancy dance. Like, yes, they could get it then. <laughs> um, so I have one that's called uh, Got Me Feeling Some Type of Way. Right. And it's like in the shape of a men's fancy dance dress. Um, uh, men's fancy dance regalia. Right, right. Have you ever been surprised about the reaction from someone that you didn't expect, either be it in your artwork or a song? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. People, sometimes I feel like I might be too niche or something, um, or people might see the work that I'm doing as, um, you know, only for Native people mm. or that they can't, see themselves reflected in it as mm -hmm. well um but i've gotten many messages from across the world which has been really cool of people being like thank you so much your songs got me through this really hard time thank you so much for sharing this artwork and like talking to me about it like this came to me like when my mother passed away mm -hmm. or um things like that like you don't ever know who's gonna see your work or mm -hmm. hear your work and those were like really impactful moments for me. I bet. Do you feel like you bridge traditional and contemporary elements in both your your craft, your artwork, and your music? I think so. I mean, I I'm pretty like I would see myself as a contemporary, um, but I do try to implement, like we talked about, uh, these sort of traditional ways of knowing the world mm -hmm. and looking at the world and making sure I'm honoring you know, the people who got me here and what does that look like? What does that sound like? Um, so I'm still using those things, but trying to do it in a contemporary way. So when you write a song and it be it from number one, two or three album, do you decipher at that point after you've written that song, oh, this I'm going to save for something else because it doesn't fit into the overall story of number one, or you just say, this is one, this is one, this is one and go from there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like cutting it out. <laughs> <laughs> Self-editing? <laughs> Self-editing. Whole songs, in fact. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the time. I'll like write the whole thing and be like, this is gold. <laughs> then the next day I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> We're going to take that out. We're going to take that out. I had, um when I first started writing like regularly, like uh -huh. all all the time, um, I just moved in with a roommate in Tulsa and 
what was the apartment called? Like Sunset, Sunset Apartments or something. I feel like that was everybody's like rite of passage when you moved to Tulsa <laughs> was to like live in those apartments. It was like a total trash hole. <laughs> um, but that's where I met so many people because it was cheap and, you know, it was really like communal starving living. Artists. Oh, it was full of starving artists and I loved it. It was so great. But there was one year it snowed really bad and we were kind of stuck inside and I was trying to write a song and um, her name was Valerie and she just made fun of me for like a week because <laughs> I was like, you know what I think would be a good song, a song about horses. <laughs> Started writing it. I don't know anything about horses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she ripped me for that one. And uh, during that same time, I started writing a song because she was wandering around singing like old country songs. Oh. He was like <laughs> making, William, yeah, William or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was also making fun of them, and she was like, "I like my daddy, but not as much as my mama." And I was like, "You know what? That would make a really good song." There you go. And that's how I wrote the song Tulsa. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> when yeah. I said I like the city, but not as much as Tulsa, it came from her making fun of me, and wow. then I in turn wrote a song. About that. <laughs> there, there you go. In what ways do you envision your? Art contributing to a broader understanding and appreciation of Native American culture, both in uh, within the community and also without outside the community. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything unless I thought it was going to add to the well, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be making to a blank wall or something. So I feel like internally, like with the community, um, Man, I try to play for Cherokee Nation as much as I can. I try to work with people as much as I can. Um, I'm, I hope that I'm doing them proud, you know? Right. <laughs> That's what you hope and dream for. And I'm really thankful for the opportunities they've given me. And like with OCO TV, with um, this last record, the Anna Donaliski record, which is performers, mm -hmm. which is a compilation record of all Cherokee musicians. Um singing their songs in the Cherokee language. Um, yeah, I just am always looking for opportunities to perform or do workshops right. or see what I can do to be helpful because, I, like I said, I didn't have a playbook or a pathway to get here. So my family couldn't help me because they mm -hmm. didn't know. Um, so if I can offer anyone else help doing the things that I'm doing, then of course I'm going <laughs> to do that. Right. I think um, outside of that space, the same story holds true. I just want to, I want to help people as much as I possibly can. And um, if that's other tribal nations, if that's people across the world, you know, I just want people to find ways to tell their stories and be able to lean into each other's stories. You do so much. I mean, <laughs> multifaceted, multi-talented. Is there something out there that you have not achieved that's on your checklist that you want to do this 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 oh i mean there's a few things definitely yeah, yeah definitely a few <laughs> things i want to do i would love to see a like native art center in tulsa i think it's an urban area full of native people mm -hmm. and i'd love to see something like i i here or um a community space where we can all gather um that, like so a, that's like a maker studio. Yeah, I think like a maker studio slash gallery, but more importantly, a place where we can just commune and be making together. Right. 
artistically, is there something you want to achieve um, in creating various art forms? Or is it, do you want to stay true to what you, you know, your craft and go from there? Or is there something like you want to do clay, you want to do sculpting or anything else? I think I definitely, I'm always interested in clay, but I'm also very scared of clay because yeah, I hear you. I'll be honest. I get like, <laughs> I get super pissed off if I put effort into something <laughs> and then it just like dissolves. Yeah. <laughs> so to put that much work into like making a ceramic like vessel of any kind and it just, the idea of it just cracking. Yeah. It hurts my heart. <laughs> it truly does. And that's something I should probably work on internally. <laughs> okay to work towards something and it not work out <laughs> but um definitely ceramic i think i'm really interested in continuing weaving and making larger scale works and more like public installation works do you do commission work i do occasionally yeah, yeah not not crazy often mm -hmm. you can imagine with like doing multiple things sometimes you don't have time right to do as many commissioned it's works <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I do occasionally, um, and I've done a few like residencies and things like that, uh, that made me really happy to do mm -hmm. and take the time to do, but I think I want to make my own beads so I can be beading, um, with and alongside weaving for mm -hmm. work. So that's something in the future I'd like to try towards. As far as music, I think I'd really like to learn how to play bass. That's like the next really? thing I'm going to try and teach myself. Yeah. I feel like there are two instruments you absolutely have to have in a band. Like if you're going to play and you have to have drums, you have to have bass. Right. Like, and if they can't hold it down, then you're screwed. Like <laughs> it's a bad show for everybody. So I would like to learn how to play bass because I feel like whenever I play my own music, I am always like in the front. And I'd like to be in an assisting role in some spaces. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. You I think everybody be... wants like the reverse. Right, like, they want right. to be the front man. And I'm like, no, I want to be in the background. You don't want to be the headline. You want to be the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, for your weaving, are you sold at, where do you sell your goods, your craft? So I just sell my stuff online. Yeah. I used to sell in uh, Brooklyn in a place called Transmitter Gallery. Um. Now I just kind of sell on my own where I can since I'm not making as often. But mm -hmm. I think there might be a place locally I'm going to be selling soon, hopefully. Really? Fingers okay. crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your album number three. Okay. <laughs> and since it's going to be released fairly soon, how was that journey to create that one? I mean, I'm sure number one was hard. Two is probably easier. Three, did it just happen? Probably not, but <laughs> did it just happen? Or was it something that you were set your goal to and you're like, this is the story I want to create and started compiling the songs that to incorporate it? Yeah, I think for this one, it took a really long time to make. Um, the first one took about a year. The second one was like a weekend. Oh, right. wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> we're going to really go quick. fast. Well, I didn't write the whole thing, uh, but I like recorded it in a right. weekend. This one was, you know, written over the last five years and recorded over the last two years. Wow. So it's taken a really, I've taken my time, mm -hmm. but it feels that's like the process I would like to always do. Yeah. Maybe not five years to write all the songs, but 
the two-year recording situation was really lovely. Um, and yeah, it didn't all happen at once, but the songs all came from a similar place. So mm -hmm. it's definitely sort of telling this story as you're going through the record. And it feels almost like the seasons in a way. So was there a transition of Kaylin through this one album? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can hear it in some ways, but I think we have like made it sound the same, you know, throughout, right. like have that similar sound, but you can definitely hear uh, and feel the shifts. So when, I mean, you do so much, how often do you get to actually go on the road or play live? I play live a lot more than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I travel all the time. So sometimes it's for work, but a lot of the times it's for music. Um, and this is like the crazy part about the things that I do is they all ended up finally meshing in a really cool way that I'm so happy with. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that I play museums mostly now. So I get paid to come, like get paid, get flown out. I get to travel to go perform at museums. And while I'm there, I'm doing exhibition research or collections research, <laughs> but I also perform and talk about that. It's like, hey, I couldn't ask for anything worlds. better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know how it kind of fell into that, but I am so thankful for that. Absolutely. It's all about the ancestors. That's right. <laughs> They're watching over you. <laughs> I mean, you're going to go on tour, but it probably won't be released until spring. Um, so everyone keep an eye out on Kaylin's tour dates. Speaking of how they, how can they follow you? Where are they, where can they find you our listeners? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook or through my website. So I just go as at Kaylin Fay, um, Instagram handle, mm -hmm. uh, same handle for Facebook. And then website is just KaylinFay.com. There you go. So do you have number four? In your head already? I do have number yeah. four in my head already. <laughs> yeah. I am hoping to take some time once this one's out and spend like a couple of weeks like out in a cabin or something and just writing so I can see if I can get it done. Is there a story you're trying to tell? There's a few stories I'm yeah. trying to tell. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. I definitely, I'm ready to start writing fully well, look, again. Well, I look forward to number three and number four coming oh, out. Thank so. you. <laughs> Everyone keep an eye out for those and tour dates. So given that you're an Oklahoma native, what would you tell to somebody that's in California or Washington that has an aspiration to do multiple artistic things and just thinks they have to go in one direction? But really, as, as you display, you can do multiple things. Moved to Oklahoma. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, it's a well-kept secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moved to Tulsa. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's difficult because they're in a different space than I am in. And like, I recognize a lot of the things that I know and understand not only come from being native, but come from being a native in Oklahoma mm -hmm. and growing up close by to like, specific landscapes mm -hmm. so my understanding is reflective of that for someone in like california or on either of the coasts um i just say do all the things that make you happy and mm -hmm. that you know are helping you grow as a person i think people are so scared that they're gonna fail or scared that they're gonna do something wrong 
that they don't even try to do those things. Um, and it's okay sometimes. I, I feel like when people say balance, sometimes they think you're balancing everything all at once. Right. But whenever I think of balance, I think of sometimes this one's up higher than this one, but I'm still holding it all. <laughs> right. So um, it's okay to be, you know, adaptive and flexible and know that you can't be the best at everything, but still honor all the parts of yourself. True. Yeah. Very true. Well, Kaylin, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having and best me. Best of luck to you on number three and touring and doing incredible work for the Native community. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you. I appreciate you and all the work you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for embarking on this artistic journey with us. Keep exploring. Keep creating. Until we meet again, let your imagination soar beyond the art. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on your preferred podcast platform.